I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a More Than Just Podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm also joined in Toronto, I believe, by Rustam Karamov. Yes. So how are you doing? Hey Tim, I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. Can't, so if, can't really complain. Can't really complain. I mean, I think with the pandemic and everything else, I don't know. I think we're all, all like in the same boat. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So... Uh, for those of you driving at home, you may not know that Rustam is uh, is the uh, founder, one of the founders of Agile Bits, and uh, they're the makers of One Password. And we constantly talk about One Password on our show because we think it's great, and we think people should protect their data. And uh, you guys are doing a great service. And actually, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I was, th- I was trying to think today. I should have gone back to my other computer and and try and realize when I first started using One Password because I'm pretty sure. I know I I know I bought it when it was on on the iPhone when so that would be what um uh, I guess the iPhone came out two thousand seven right so yeah I'm trying to think because I'm pretty sure I was an I uh, uh, one password user long before um or even before I became an iOS developer because uh, I was a Mac consultant back in the day part of the Apple consultant network and I think it, I was at a conference or a, a sort of a seminar held by Apple. And I was sitting next to a couple of my friends from Toronto who are also Apple consultants. And they said, oh, you got to get this one password thing. It's great. And so I think that's how I ended up uh, with the app on my, f- at least on my phone. And then I've definitely brought the Mac app. So I'm an early, early user of one password. Yeah, it was only the Mac app at the beginning. Right? Yeah. We, didn't really, we didn't really have plans for anything else. To be honest. <laughs> Well, we'll get into that in a minute because because I, I I went back and I, I I watched your talk this morning again from uh, when I first met you actually it was probably not like face to face but the first time I ever saw you or knew of you was at NS North in 2014. Uh, oh, in that was uh, that was a very important conference in many ways for you, yeah. Um, uh, for one password. For one password. 
Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. That was like life changing. Really? Okay. We'll have to get into that in a minute. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been on long, I mean, you know, I have 17, 1800 different logins and things saved on there. I keep my passport information in there. So, my, my wife's as well, as well as all my, I just put my Ontario health card information because now we need to prove. <laughs> Yeah, we've been vaccinated right. and everything like that. Um, I use one password is my is like of all the authenticator apps I have out there, I'm using I mean I'm sorry, I don't mean to push one password on everybody, but I'm I'm a fan, right? So <laughs> um and I love it for the uh for the two factor authentication. I use that. I'd I'd prefer to use that over Google or or Microsoft Authenticator because you know, at least with one password, especially now that you have the subscription model, I can use it on uh, on the web, right? So I can always have access to it. It's the first thing I put yeah, on any I, any device, you know? Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, with, with the extension, it certainly makes it so much easier. Like, I don't even have to copy. I, I think we used to copy it to the clipboard, and then you could paste the 2FA code when you sign in. But the okay. extension, it even fills it for you, so you, you don't have yeah. to do anything. Really. Well, I mean, I have a... a People who follow me know I have like 200 something WordPress websites. And so on, on most of the ones that are important to me, I'm using two-factor authentication there too, right? And so it's what's nice is I use the one password to do the autofill. And then it whatever I have in the, in the clipboard, if I'm copying a, a, a link or something, it puts it aside, grabs the two-factor authentication code, mm-hmm. puts it in. And then I have to wait like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. And then it, then it switches back what was in the pasteboard before. So it's nice that it doesn't break my flow that way, right? I have to go back and copy the thing again. So that's great. Um, Super useful. But uh, so you, so um, I want to get into some of the things that you talked about in in that conversation that you, or the talk you did about sort of your, how you got into this. Because I mean, the whole purpose of our podcast is to talk (laughs) about, you know, developers and, and how we, how we do these kind of things. And lately I've been having people on that one I'm fans of, but also uh, who have actually made a decent go of being uh, either first of indie develop, developer and then now in your case, growing into a major company, right? So, uh, and just to recap the the conversation or the, the talk was 42 was the subject of it. And, and you said in the talk that you had at the time, this is 2014, you had 42 employees, right? Which was kind of plus. The yes, public, and I, Adams I thing, was right? 42 years old as well. And you were 42. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, was a, it was a while ago, almost eight years ago, I guess, right? Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, why don't you tell us about, uh, to give us a recap of, of you know, of yourself and uh, where you come from. And because and, I, I, it's interesting, some of the, the parallels, um, uh, you know, you talked about your, your life in, in the Soviet Union and, and how different life was back then and to where you are today. You know, and that yeah, you guys thought that the, uh, the the Soviet team had won the seventy two uh, series, Canada Russia. I swear series. that what we were taught in school. Uh, <laughs> we were taught the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was an interesting talk. To be honest, I uh, I wish I gave more talks because, uh, like back when I now that I look at it, it was so. I don't. I didn't. I don't really like looking at it. I. I didn't feel it was very well rehearsed or anything else. So, I wish I. I would give a better presentation there. But um, I thought the slides that Dan helped me uh, to design they were pretty good. I, I like the slides. Um, yeah, a lot of things changed since 2014. I guess 
when when I give the talk. So you want to start there, or do you want to start? Yeah, let's. Earlier? We can. I mean, it's up to you. We can start. We can start with the recapping. Well, first of all, let's let's talk about. You said NS North twenty fourteen was a was a significant time for you at at one uh, password agile bits, I guess. So yeah, why don't you fill us in on that. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, we were around forty people. Um, so the company was fairly small. We did. Uh, I guess we worked on one password for. We started one password around two thousand six, right? So it's been it's been quite quite uh, quite a run. Uh, and uh, but what changed in twenty fourteen? I think uh, our CEO uh, Jeff Shiner just came to me. I think it was the first day or second day of the conference, and he said, "You know," uh, and he named the company that uh, we like, and like they were using one password that we know, and they said they're switching to one of our competitors, and. Uh, the main reason is because we didn't have any business features there. Oh, really? Okay. Right. And we kind of heard that before. And to be honest, like at that time, we had some companies buying the licenses for employees. Like we would have, uh, you know, some companies buying like 100 licenses for employees, things like that. But they're all like personal licenses, right? Because one password was pretty much a personal, like single user product, right? You couldn't, even like if you do the family sharing, like you couldn't do that, anything like that. So, um, and I don't know, just, just that company, I guess that, that just something triggered inside and we're like, we really need to build that product. Right. So, um, and that's how we kind of spend the rest of the conference, uh, just thinking how we can make, uh, a business side, like business offering for one password. Right. Right. And yeah. that's when it all started. And I think we launched it. We launched it in 2016, right? Uh, Was that the, the business, the, the multi-user yeah, business? One, one password, one password teams, one password business. Oh, teams, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when it started, and then uh, in the beginning, it didn't really nothing. Like we're so excited about this launch. I remember we we decided like we thought like we're not sure we're going to we can handle the traffic, right? When we're building, it's like this thing is so awesome. Like everyone would, everyone in the world will want it. So we actually build a sign-up system where, like, you sign up and it doesn't give you access. It's like, you know, in the future, you will, like, will let you in, right? Because we're, like, afraid that so many people will sign up. Uh, and then we launched and nothing really happened. Like, oh, a few people signed up. <laughs> but um, there was nowhere close to what we were expecting at the time. So it actually took us uh, maybe two, three years to get to somewhere, like, where uh, it became pretty success, successful yeah, that's actually that, i was gonna say I, I recall that there was like a like a, <clears> i remember <throat> the teams thing came out i think there was might have been a beta or something or people could sign up early get early access to it kind of thing yeah. and you know um some of my friends here at taco carl and a few other people i know they they kind of jumped on it initially i i have a family account because you know for me i'm a small company um, didn't make sense for me, but uh, now now that you've turned the, the the teams version into a sort of a family version, you know, I think with five accounts or five uh, slots, yeah. I guess, right? That's what I use, and I'm, I'm so my two grandsons each have an account. I have an account. My wife has an account, you know, kind of thing, and we all and then I have the one master sort of key, I yeah. guess, right? So plus you can share yeah, so, common uh, passwords. And in the end, it turned out that quite a few businesses need. This, like pretty much every business, not only individual customers need this uh, solution, but uh, businesses need this as well. So I think we recently announced that we have about 100,000 businesses using 1,000. Nice, nice, cool. That's, uh, 
And with that came a ton of changes, obviously, to the company, uh, the investment, um, and like quite quite a bit of growth there as well. And that's multi-platform too, because you're initially, I think uh, you were, when I was, I guess around the mobile time, you were just, you just had started doing Android. So you had Android iOS. Now you're doing Windows as well, right? Well, in the beginning, it was Mac, right? Because Dave and I, we just switched to Mac in um, 2015, I think. We bought our first Mac, the PowerBook. Like, I remember Tiger came out, and yeah. I remember, like, Steve Jobs presenting Tiger. And I think switched to Intel as well, right? Switched to Intel. And, I don't know, it just got us excited. Uh, Dave bought his first Mac, and then somehow I, I couldn't resist, so I bought mine. And we did Java development at the time. We did uh, Java consulting uh, for several years. Uh, and the Java did not run on Max at all. Like, it would right. run, but it was mm. so slow. Really? Right. And uh, we found this new framework called Ruby on Rails. Oh, Ruby, yeah. HH was doing the presentation with Ruby on Rails and TextMate. And we're like, wow, Ruby on Rails is so much better than any enterprise Java Beans stuff that we used to do. Mm-hmm. Right, you could build, right. like you could build the online e-commerce site in you know a day, right? Right, right. Whereas like it would take you two weeks on to launch like WebSphere or WebLogic stuff like that. Um, Shopify, I think, started around the same time, right? Uh, Snow Devil, I think they they used to sell snowboards. Oh yeah, that was their first like idea. They would they would set up the website and sell the snowboards like snow equipment. Uh, but then they realized that actually the e-commerce that they built, the solution that they built actually has a lot more value. So they basically started Shopify. Pivoted to that, yeah. Hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, and Dave and I, we kind of used, we were like really excited about Ruby on Rails. So we, we decided to quit Java and do Ruby on Rails development and build like e-commerce websites for everyone right so uh so at the time were you were you like uh, i know that uh agile bit or sorry one password is sort of your your successful piece but at the time when you were developing that you and dave you were just a couple of guys right and was it yeah. a was it a viable thing or were you making making a living at it or what was the, the situation at the time like you i mean so making a change from one one software to another like if you're small and agile well, uh, java would pay really well right java paid really well you could get like the rates of pti I, they're probably still pretty high like if you do java development uh ruby on rails i think we just dabbled like we were super, so excited about how much easier and faster and more efficient like you can build any e-commerce site but and so we we tried to reach out and find the customers and we also tried to build our own, like a, a few projects, basically, that we were really excited. None of them really worked out. Uh, and then one password was basically a side project that we, because we, we just switched to Mac and, you know, we wanted to build this tool for ourselves. Um, I think four weeks, that's, we had no idea how to use like Objective-C. I remember picking up uh, uh one of the books from the Wigner branch. Yeah, Wigner branch, yeah. yeah. Right, so I'm like writing the stuff, uh, trying to figure out Objective-C. Still have Objective-C, to be honest, like very, yeah. uh, such a good language. Um, and also, if you remember, um, we really wanted to have the browser integration, but I don't think there was like much in terms of, I think Firefox was the only thing that would support that extensions. But I think you write, you used to write them like in C and XML, right? You remember Zool? I'm not sure. Mm. 
like there was a special language to do, design the UI, like XML based, and then you write actually in C uh, the extension itself. Right. Later, switch to JavaScript, right? Uh, and Safari did not have anything at all. Uh, but people used to develop, like, there were a few people that built Safari, quote unquote, extensions using that uh, symbol, the something that would swizzle the Objective C code because Safari was written in Objective C. So you would just basically load something into the Safari process and replace some calls with your calls, okay. right? Uh, uh, so, uh, Wolf French wrote, I think, Simple. Uh, he also organized C4 later. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's C4 right. conferences in yeah. Chicago. Uh, so, anyway, so it was the complete hack. So, basically, it was a complete hack. Um, and then, we, for the, also, we didn't want to do any encryption at the time. So, we, we found that Mac OS, we still don't want to do any encryption <laughs> ourselves. We don't want to build any encryption ourselves. But uh, so macOS uh, had the keychain, if you remember. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there was an API for the keychain, so you yep. would like the so one password. What the very first version of one password that would do it, which actually create the brand new keychain on macOS, and it would use like it would just massage some of the data into the keychain, like because it allowed you to put some of like the there was two or three fields there that you could fill, and we just store them there so we don't have to do any encryption all the locking was done like when, when computer locks it will lock the keychain and then you unlock keychain so yeah could you see the could you see the the one password um keychain, keychain. In, if you went to the keychain access application yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah so cool. it was a very lazy way of doing this stuff but uh, it's kind of fun uh and then also i think dot mac used to sync it so you could get like syncing for free but uh there was something wrong with it, so it would actually start breaking our items. I don't know. It would just, you would lose some data during the sync, right? Um, so eventually we actually had to go and build our own format. Okay. And did you, so at the time I joined up, you guys were using Dropbox for syncing. Is that something that the Dropbox yeah, helped yeah. with so that? I think Dropbox appeared about the same time. And we were like, hey, you know, we could actually use Dropbox. Again, we didn't really want to build the sync service or anything else, right? So we could use Dropbox. You have a folder on this Mac, you have a folder on another Mac, and then we actually designed one password that way that every item would be its own file so that it's very easy for Dropbox. Like once you add a file or change the file, just like syncing is much easier for Dropbox. Right, right. Um, so that worked for a while. Pretty, was pretty, again, pretty lazy way of doing this stuff. Well, it's funny, you know, I have a, I have a couple of older servers here that I run just, you know, for like some... You know, some old iTunes syncing and stuff like that. But I have behind me, I have a couple of old X serves and I have a Mac Mini. And I'm running, I think I'm running something like Snow Leopard on it, maybe. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And, and I still have my one password <laughs> in there. <laughs> and so, so when I need to log into a service or whatever, I, it, it's funny because I think about, about a month ago, I was in there doing something and I went, oh, I have to put this password in. It doesn't exist in that, that particular version, right? So I had to enter a new password for the first time in like so many years, right? So because <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sync with the new stuff, right? I tried to resurrect my old very first PowerBook, but it, uh, it doesn't boot. Oh. So. At some point, I have it on the shelf there somewhere. There's on the shelf here. There. Which PowerBook so, is it? Um, I think it's PowerBook G4. G4. The very first that one that Dave and I bought. Yeah, if it doesn't boot, it's probably the the parameter RAM battery because I have a I have a couple of um I have the titanium G4s and um they do that if if the batteries uh 
sick, it won't boot, but if you unplug it, it will boot, which is really strange. But you have oh, to take the CD ROM drive. Right. Pushing with the battery? Yeah, the old CMOS battery. Yeah, it's really. Oh, I should like, try that. Yeah, I, I have a couple here because I, it's funny. I, I had one I lent to a friend, Titanium uh, G4, right? I had it since almost the very beginning. Lent it to a friend. He brought it back to me like a couple of years later and it won't boot. I'm like, what's this? It doesn't boot. So I went on eBay for $40 and bought uh, another one that had a bad screen because I knew I had an extra screen here. Right. So I brought it home. It boots up now. Now it's been like two years ago. And then I, the other day I was thinking about it and I went to fire them up. My original one that wouldn't boot now boots. And the one that I bought off eBay, it won't boot. So it's like, <laughs> but anyway, that, when I was, when I was looking it up the other day, I realized that somebody posted on, I fix it. If you unplug the battery, then it will boot. So. Or I'm going to see yeah, how I should try the battery. That. I should try that. That's, that's certainly possible. Like, it's not like with new laptops. You can't really unplug the well, battery. Well, you can't, you can't reset the, you know, the, uh, was it the SMC chip? There's a new um, system control management chip that you can reset if your Mac won't boot. But on those ones, they're so old, they don't even have that chip. So that's mm-hmm. how they used to boot. They used to have, if the power was clean or something like that, it would boot. But otherwise, no, it won't. So it's a funny thing about those. Like some, some laptops, if you took them apart, and you put them back together again, you had to plug in the AC adapter to reset the, the circuits. Although if you didn't do that, you would spend hours trying to pull your hair out going, why won't this Mac boot? <laughs> the battery's got charge, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Just weird the way the power circuiting was set up. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to some of your... So so back in your, your uh, origin story, we, we, um, you talk about uh, going to university in, in Soviet Union and you know, some of the, the food lines and some of that, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I noticed you were saying things in the, in the uh, talk that people didn't laugh, but I actually thought some of them were pretty, I think you were trying to make jokes and people, I have a friend who's, who's, uh, who's also from Soviet Union. He's always, t- always making jokes about the, you have to line up for everything, but. <laughs> yes. And uh, that was actually true. You see the line, you just stay there first, first you pick, you, you get the, into the line first and then you figure out what it's about. Right. Yeah. That was their rule. Yeah. Crazy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I, so. what I want to tell you about the 72 Summit series as well, that's what it was called. I just remembered that, that now is that I actually went to the, the game in Toronto with my, with my Wait. father. So uh, we lost that game, that, by the way. You don't look that old. I am that old. But uh, yeah, they, uh, we lost that game. It was, I think it was one of the games we lost. I think we lost most of the games in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because they weren't, they weren't expecting the Soviet team to be so good. I mean, to be honest with you, I wear number 20 on my sweater. I, I'm a goaltender, right? So when I was, when I was playing, you know, my, my team came to me one day and they said, you know, what, uh, what number do you want on your sweater? And they're thinking I'm going to say 20, Dryden's a big, I'm a big Dryden fan. So they would say 29 or 35 or 31, whatever. But I said, no, I want number 20. They looked at me like, why would you want number 20 on your sweater? I said, that's because that's, you know, Trechak's number, right? I became yeah, a huge Trechak fan in that. I, I, at least I, I got, I saw him playing. So on TV, nice. right? So. <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah. I saw him play too, but I didn't realize he was he was amazing that good. <laughs> I, he was he was against Tony Esposito. I was upset because I wanted to see Ken Dryden play myself, right? But uh, I didn't get to see it that night anyway. Anyway, yeah, it's cool. So small small world. We both we both enjoy the same game from a different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So tell us a little bit about your your background. Like you you grew up in the Soviet Union. You know, went to school there. Went to university there. 
yeah, there's really not much to say, to be honest. Like I, I went to, I went to school. Um, I went to school a bit earlier than most kids. I think my mom was working in the school, so she just signed me up like a year earlier, year sooner. So nice, yeah. I finished school when I was sixteen because we only had like we started seven and ten years, right? So I started at six. I finished at sixteen, uh, and somehow I really like. I wanted to go to mass. I was pretty good at math. I didn't really like it, to be honest. But And then uh, somehow uh, the university just, they just started the computer science program or software engineering. I don't, I don't know. One of those. Uh, and uh, I was pretty excited about that, so I signed up. Uh, we didn't really have that many computers there, so most of the stuff was done on paper. Uh, right. Interesting. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I remember just pestering my uh, professor to give me like more more work right uh um yeah and it was five years so basically i i think i started i found some side job on on the second year so i was doing some i was like something my own i guess i think they just gave me a computer so that you know uh to get rid of me or something so i didn't, i don't think <laughs> i was going <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think i was doing anything useful but you know i just spent all my time there cool um, yeah and i had basically I was eight, I think. Uh, I was paid for doing some computer programming on in grade th- like in the third year or fourth year. So. Mm-hmm. so, how did you end up in Canada? How did you end up meeting Dave? Um, to be honest, I like a group of us. We when we started at university, we always like were really excited about going to North America. But it was you have to like you have to see from like it's it seems like it's impossible, right? I think today with the internet and everything else, like it's pretty easy to uh, to see how it, you can do this stuff. But uh, back when we started, I I don't think there was internet at the time, right? Uh, so you don't really get much info, right? You have no idea how people like how is it possible to let's say move somewhere to another country. So it right. was really uh, felt like something that is completely out of reach, right? Plus finance, like it requires quite a bit of you know financial investment too right it's not free to move somewhere um so i think financial crisis hit uh in what, 1998 in russia right. so i was actually at that time i was doing like i had a steady job at the time and uh i think i was getting paid about you know 200 us dollars a month i our salaries were like pretty high compared to uh average uh you know what people would get on average there so pretty good but then when financial crisis hit, I think all all my savings were like cut in ten times. So, so let's say if I had like two thousand dollars now, I'm back to two hundred dollars or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, so, and back then, I remember someone just mentioned like, "Hey, why don't you move like to to US? Why don't you just emigrate?" Right. And a person who I don't really know that well just uttered something, and it just stuck in my head. Right. So I I decided to to look for. Uh, for a way to move and then we had internet at the time so i started reading you know uh people were posting about how they uh found a job and stuff so i i think i probably sent like a thousand resumes everywhere obviously i had no idea what i'm doing but you know uh what helped me was the uh y2k problem i think because oh yeah people needed more developers right and right. i had a few calls i think i had my first call was from uk I had some Delphi experience and they really were looking for like Delphi people. 
but my English was probably absolutely awful. So uh, I don't, they didn't really go anywhere. And then there was a company in the U.S. called Mastec. I think they probably still exist, but Mastec, they did like, uh, at that time, they were bringing like people just by thousands to U.S., right? So I think they would just, I don't know, interview people and bring them in, and then they would just send them uh, somewhere. So basically, to, they had a ton of clients there. It's like H1, it's basically H1B factory or something like that there. They would give a ton of people on H1B visas. And then uh, there was also another company that basically they sent people to Moscow and they did like interviews and tests on C++, I believe. Right. And so I flew there. I flew there. I did the tests, stuff like that. And they offered me a job here in Canada in Waterloo. Nice. Yeah. So I had basically at, at some point I had two offers, one in, from US, from Mastec, and another one from Descartes. Because systems group in Waterloo. Right. Okay. So I don't know. I wasn't sure. And like Waterloo seems like something I could see. At least I could. And Mastec, you had no idea where you would go. Right. So there was a lot of uncertainty there, I guess. So uh, so I went to Waterloo. That was a pretty cool experience. Just everything is different. Like you fly yeah. to another country. You've never been outside your country, right? You fly to another right. country. Like I still remember I bought like an uh, electric plug. <laughs> or something. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't believe that people would have like a different electric plugs in another country. <laughs> really? Wow. I don't know why, but it was <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, How old were you then when you did this? I was pretty old. I was twenty-seven, right? Okay. Ninety. That was nineteen ninety-nine. Yeah, nineteen ninety-nine. Okay. So I was twenty-seven. Uh, uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, so we. We celebrate year 2000 here in, in Waterloo. I remember walking like uptown Waterloo there with oh, friends. Okay, right. So, um, so yeah, it's a good experience. I, I really enjoyed that time. Well, thanks for the Y, at least the Y, something good came out of the Y2K bug, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I was working in the IT at the time too, and, and I, just, I thought it was a big fuss about nothing really, but who knew? I mean, like you were, you were sitting there on December 31st going, waiting uh, for the I, world to come I to it. Well, you see, the problem is like if 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 you didn't work hard enough, then something bad might have happened, right? And if you work hard enough, then nothing happened, and people say like it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there was a lot of work. I mean, people don't. I yeah, most people, I guess, we we talk to these days aren't weren't old enough to be involved in it, and uh, it was a lot of work. I remember like a lot of paperwork, and I was working for a public company at the time, so we had to you know make sure all our Everything was in order, and we we owned a number of different systems, and I wasn't involved in setting those systems up, so who knew what was going to happen, right? And you know, we were I was in the electronic prepress, which doesn't sound like much, but you know, when you make your living, you know, with things that plug into the wall and computers and things like that, you want to make sure that they're going to work, right? So, and yeah. they're all they're all written by developers, which you and I both know. Sometimes a developer takes a shortcut, and maybe they don't put encryption in their software. <laughs> It's hard to imagine, but it, it to be honest, like today we have everything is based on like internet yeah, connected yeah. computers, right? Back yeah. then it, it wasn't that bad, quote unquote bad. No, it's true, but but it's like strong. you know, I was, I was playing with this SE thirty behind me, you know, which is from around a little bit just before that time. But you know, when I plug it in and get it going and everything like that, um you can put a floppy disk in it, you can hook a modem up to it, you know, you can print on local talk. 
but it's an island really you know there's no i can't go i can't open safari on it i can't try you know unless i put an ethernet card in the thing i can't really go like tls probably all the standards are different now right yeah, it's it's completely different. And, and the thing about it is, like all the, all the older computers, they don't understand HTTPS either, right? So there's there's ways yeah. to get around that. But like you know, the, the whole the whole world now runs on HTTPS pretty much. If you can't, if your browser doesn't understand the protocol, there's not 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 much you can do about it. Like all the old classic Mac stuff doesn't work on the internet, right? So so what we're doing, in case people are curious, I mentioned this before on the podcast, but you can run a Raspberry Pi that will deliver uh like it'll basically create a website that you can load up on the older browsers as images right and you remember the old image map stuff you tap on a button you're actually tapping on an image it goes to the raspberry pi the raspberry pi makes a request updates the page and sends you back a refreshed image so it's like fooling you into thinking you're on the internet (laughs) you are essentially but like how else are you going to do it you can't you know you need the pi to be the proxy server for your for your old device right I, I still remember, like there was internet. Like, there's a way to browse internet by email. Remember, yeah. you send like you send like URL request to some email address, and then sometime later you get like a back an email with uh, with a source with oh, a really? And you could render it on your in your browser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I remember like uh, there's not much rendering. It was pretty much text, right? So yeah, that's true. That's true. Like no CSS or anything else. Yeah, it's funny. Like in in '93, I think I got on I got on the internet around '93 or so. Um, it was just after you know you were you spent a few years on AOL and eWorld and CompuServe and things like that, and you were just looking at bulletin board information. Um, you know, and Mosaic was I think one of the first browsers, Netscape and that kind of stuff. And, and um, I, I was telling people I remember I remember doing a search like on it wasn't Google, it was Lycos or something like that, or like a yeah Alta Vera Alta Vista I think Alta Vista. Yeah, and I remember I, I remember searching for something, and it would say results from six hundred thousand websites. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah, pretty small, but yeah, and it was like like to get a Mac to Macs were really bad at connecting to the internet initially. You had to run a TCP/IP protocol in it, and and that would you know, and you you basically your modem would talk, and you would get the TCP/IP, and it would give you an IP address, and then you could you know navigate around. And it was a very very sort of convoluted system, but lots of fun like you said it it opened up the world of information i mean that's the thing right so that's cool so when so you so you're now in waterloo you're working in waterloo and how do you get from there to agile bits um so the company made a mistake well not made a mistake the company waterloo we used to uh we used to use um they use their own proprietary systems i don't even remember what they used to have but at some point they sent me to the Java One conference. Okay. In uh, I think it was in two thousand. Yeah, probably in two thousand. Yeah, right. So that was like one of the biggest Java One conference in San Francisco, right? So I went there, and there was so much hype, and I like I got so excited. I had no like I didn't know Java. Like I know very very little there. So there's like so much stuff. I have no idea what I'm looking at even. Right. So. Anyway, I got really excited about Java. I'm like Java is like I want. That's all I wanted. I wanted Java. So I spent like next months like studying Java and trying to code stuff. And uh, the guy was like, "Okay, uh, so we're doing .NET client something." I'm like, "No, no, I, I don't want to do .NET. Um, I, I want to do Java." So uh, at that point, basically, a friend of mine said, "Like, you really go should go do consulting." 
so I I got some Java certifications as well, like certified Java developer and everything else. And uh, yeah, so I I I started sending my resumes again. I got a contract. I think the first one was at IBM. So I got like, and then I kind of spent the next few years just doing contract like contract based development, which is actually a lot of fun in many ways, just because you kind of don't get stuck in the same doing the same thing, right? You right, basically. Yeah. You do something for one company, then you you basically forced to go find another contract and you do something else. And like the environment is completely different, the tools are different, the people are different. Like you have to basically adapt, and you have like you learn a lot, right? Yeah. So uh, I spent a few years like that, and then actually I met Dave on one of the contracts. He just left IBM to do to do uh, consulting as well. So we we worked on a short project with him, and then eventually we made met with him later we worked uh, for a year or so at world vision canada so we did some mm. projects there and that's when we we used to do like enterprise java beans uh, with the, like all the like all the heavy heavy uh java stuff enterprise java stuff and then i think we went to a conference in um, las vegas there was a spring framework spring spring framework i think ron johnson basically was like very lightweight uh, Java-based framework that could do everything that, like, you could do with enterprise Java, but uh, you know, much faster. Right. Yeah. But it's kind of precursor to Ruby on Rails, to our switch to Ruby on Rails. Right. So um, anyway, we started thinking about our own projects at the time. Like, why don't we? Why don't we just do something uh, ourselves? Like, build some other products, like our project. So. Right. And eventually, we got the Mac, and we had to quit Java and switch to Ruby on Rails. Right, and it's interesting. It's interesting that you said that that you know you you built basically one password for yourselves, like something so you could you could you know get away from having yeah. to manage passwords. I guess right. Yeah, and fill forms as well, right? Fill forms because that's right. basically uh, you do quite a bit when you do web development. Right. Um, one password. I'm not sure one password is that good today about this, but in the like very first version, you could enter the form, save it completely, and then fill it again. So if you are like web page with like 50 fields right. you could actually save them all in one password and then fill them back i'm not sure then like the latest version of one password does it that well because we kind of moved more to password management right yeah that, yeah but, uh, the very first one did um yeah so um yeah so um we launched um when we did one password we because e-commerce was pretty easy for us we just put it on sale as well right um and it actually People like the very first hour, someone bought it. Really? Uh, wow. The very first hour, the person bought it. It was crazy to think about like someone can buy a software. Right, right. Because don't forget, like our like our uh, mental model was like you know you do work for someone and they you do consulting basically for someone and they pay you like idea of selling software. It, it's kind of feel like it's very hard, right? Yeah, so yeah, for sure. People buy and then like. I think the price was like what fourteen dollars or something right, like that. Right. So like you know how much how many copies do you need to sell to live on that right? So a lot, <laughs> uh, a lot. Uh, I remember we did Magzot uh, later. Brian Ball Brian Ball ran the Magzot uh, website and they did like daily deals right. Uh, it was very popular at the time and then we I think we sold like a hundred copies or something of one thousand in one day. Nice. Yeah. And Brian Ball, like, wow, that's like very impressive. 
and Dave's like, one day we're going to sell, like every day we're going to sell like, at least 100 condoms. I'm like, he's crazy. Like, that's, <laughs> that's too much. That's not going to happen, right? Uh, but yeah, eventually kind of happened, right? Uh, you basically, what you do, right? You have like an email or a notification saying like someone bought your software, right? And then like you're very excited and you, you're getting all these emails. And at some point you're like, you know what? They're too much, too many emails. You just turn right, off, right? Right, so yeah. You, you kind of get to the next level. So in those early days, were you, were you, you were selling electronic? Uh, copies like people were downloading off the internet or was there like, um, did you ever get into putting it on a disc or something and sending it out or no no uh that would be too expensive oh this is uh, e-commerce right you said like this is this e-commerce yeah so that was what 2016 um, okay yeah yeah people right. people use internet at the time so we, i think there are a couple of like mac update and mac tracker were like websites right. that are very popular yeah, yeah. uh mac rumors but macromers basically. Did you use Kaji or something like that to, to do the financial part of it? Or how did you do the, the financial gateway? Very, very, uh, Kaji had like 10%, I think. They charged 10%. And for us, like, that's a lot of money. Uh, so yeah, we actually yeah. did not want to do Kaji. Uh, we built our own based on PayPal. And then I think to check out, that was one of the early ones, was to check out, I think, um, they charge much less, right? You you have to do more more work, but they charge much less. So we feel like you know, in the long run, it's going to pay off. Uh, eventually, we got the merchant account at TD Bank. That uh, took us like six months to get it. I don't know, very long time. And we had our own web store running on that. And then one day, we like we have a huge number of orders. Like people just buying one password like crazy. And we're like so excited. This is still you on know? the Mac, though. We haven't even done iOS yet, right? No, no, that was much later. Much later. Oh. I'm just saying, okay. like, what's happened? Like, evolution of our web store, right? So people are like buying it, buying it. And then we realized that it's actually someone actually just, we learned that there's a way to kind of clean the credit card. So let's say you steal a large oh. number of credit card numbers, and you're not sure if, like, most of them, like, probably will not work. So you go, you find the store, and you try to buy something very inexpensive. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. see if the credit card passes. So now you sure. basically like you kind of uh, filter your list. Right. So now you have like list the credit cards that really work. Right. And so someone was doing that to us. And then obviously it was not great. Right. Because what you get back, you get bad people saying I didn't purchase it. And then you return the money and then you return like I think it's twenty five dollar charge back on each one. Right. Right. Oh, right. Uh, so. So we had to basically go and figure out like how to block him. Um, there's like it was cat and mouse game for like a few days actually, really. Wow. Right, and then so that kind of forced us to we eventually we closed the merchant account and I think we went to Stripe or something. Yeah, probably to Stripe. Yeah, to to get somebody else to handle the money. Like I guess that's the same. I mean. You know, we we talk about this a lot on the on the podcast too. And from I I know from having to handle credit cards myself that you know uh, I never wanted to do it online because of the whole PCI thing. You know, you don't mm -hmm. want to ever get fined for that because the fines are crazy, right? But the um, you know you want someone else oh, to handle. Oh. So when Apple Apple came yeah. along and said they'll run the iOS store and I don't have to do anything, I just have to hand over thirty percent and whatever. I thought that was great. Apple's going to handle the money. I'll just walk away, right? So how did you, how, what do you think about the, I mean, I don't want to get into a big debate at the, about the app no, store. No, but... <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I think uh, there was another story probably much earlier 
that where we learned one lesson. Uh, we before the Mac, we tried to build um, software for Palm. Okay. Yes. Uh, right. Remember Palm, like the first mobile, <laughs> the first mobile phones, uh, and then I actually built my own app for Palm. Uh, and tried to sell it, and then most of the stores they would actually charge sixty percent, or maybe more. Actually, might be even more, right? So if you want to sell to them, they, they charge, like they would take a huge cut. So we're like, here's the business model: we build our own store and we sell it through, and basically we'll charge much less. And every developer for like Palm will come to us because we'll only charge like ten percent sure. or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're so excited again. We build the store. Took us probably a few months. Uh, and we launched the store, and then after a year, we closed the store. I think it made like twenty bucks. Uh, for really? Us. Wow! <laughs> Which we sold. And I remember trying, like, emailing one of the uh, popular Palm developer at the time, saying, "Hey, we have this store. You know, you're really excited. Like, instead of paying sixty percent there, we'll only charge you like very little. And you know, come to us, like, sell you, sell you up here, right? Upload. We have like everything set up. It's like uh, his first answer was like, "Do you have a list of customers?" <laughs> like, you're, you're like, yeah one you <laughs> you're smart at the time <laughs> you're smart at the time because basically yes you could charge very little but if you don't have any export and no one's buying it like you don't really get any revenue right so sure. i think what apple is like the first place there's a ton of exposure right because right, you have yeah. a lot of customers looking at it and yeah compared to 60 percent, 30 percent is certainly very very little right true so, um, true yeah um, so I, I think it's, yeah, I, I still think it's a good deal. Actually, at some point, there was a period in one, in like Agile Bits life where Dave and I, I think we got burned out. We, there was some huge Mac release or something where basically we spent like a year rewriting entire one password from scratch. Just because browser extensions had to be redone and something. Right, yeah. Uh, things did not work. Customers were yelling at us. People were like burned out completely. Uh, it just, it was really tough. I think that's when my back got hurt as well. So basically, I spent like next year trying to fix it. Uh, anyway, so we're like, you know what? We're done. Like we're trying to reduce the work that we do. And web stories is great, but one, you need to worry about it being up, right? So I still remember like 3 a.m. and then you know your phone is like going off saying like the web store is down, right? So you need to wake up and try to figure out what because you know if it's down, nobody can buy one password. And you're also serving the world too. You're not just serving like yeah. Canada, you're serving people in Europe and Asia and 24 yeah. seven, right? Plus updates, you know, you need to do like, we need to keep this thing up. There's a new version of Rails that breaks, like some things that now you need to rewrite your web app and stuff like that. So it's quite a bit of work to, to keep it up and running. So we're like, you know what, just going to close it and move everything to like Mac App Store and iOS Store. And, you know, uh, just downsize. We want to downsize. I think Dave did a talk about this stuff uh, at some point. Back then, we didn't have a CEO. Like, Jeff uh, did not join us yet. So Dave and I pretty much did, like, most of the stuff uh, in in the management. So, yeah. Well, so that's, was, that's an interesting perspective, too. Like, I think from, you know, I, I went through uh, some coaching back when I was an entrepreneur, too. And, and you know, when you're the guy you know, making the software and sweeping the floor and going to the bank and putting the money in the bank. There's a lot of work that that's beyond what your, your actual main, you know, unique skill is. Right. Um, like, like, so, you know, you, at some certain point you need, like you get to the point where you need to hire employees, you need to hire, like, I think you said in the, in the talk, you have to hire some better developers. 
you know, to keep up with your design. That's <laughs> um, true. You know, and then eventually you get to the point where you have to hire a CEO and HR and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, to be honest, I really like the context switching. I, I just get bored so quickly that I I enjoyed being able to just go from yeah. code to customer support to like marketing to, uh, um, you know, just like system administration and stuff like that. So I I think I had a lot of fun. But yeah, it, it certainly it's, you know, you get burned out at some point, like you can't really sure. do that uh, yeah. Yeah. nonstop. Yeah, I mean, so are you still are you still doing code reviews? Are you still writing code, and or what's what's your day look like now? Um, I mostly, I think, I mostly uh, run around, complain about you know one password and things. <laughs> <laughs> so I can bring my complaints uh, to you then. I think, right? <laughs> uh, yes, please. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we got like if we go back to 2019, back when we did the investment, um, we didn't have HR. At the time, pretty much every person working for one password outside Ontario was a contractor, like right. not a full-time employee without any benefits and stuff like oh, that. Okay. Um, we didn't have our finance team was like one and a half person. Um, we didn't have a sales team. We didn't have basically marketing was I think still Dave writing his newsletter. Um, that was pretty much it. So I, I basically we had a lot of like. Pretty much our entire company was like customer support and developers and designers. Right. Right. Uh, but we got to the size where basically you really need like, you know, people working for you, they they want to have health benefits, especially in the US. Like Canadians are much better in this way, but uh, in the sense, right, because we have a lot of things kind of covered by uh, provincial insurance. But uh, if you're in the US, like none of our US employees, the contractors had any health insurance. Right. So we actually, and we really wanted to do this, but someone has to, like, it's like, it doesn't happen on its own, right? Someone has to do it. So we actually had to grow the HR team and uh, the finance team. So basically a lot of, uh, a lot of debt that we had, we, I think we did that in the next two years, like 2020, 2021. Right. So you were, you were originally remote because you were a couple of guys and small team. And then you, and you opened, I think around 2014, you must've opened that office downtown. And then, so, and then you, I guess you did okay there for a while. And, and now the pandemic's hit the last, you know, 18 months or so you're back to being remote. Is everybody working from home still or? Yeah. Well, to, uh, we actually had like three offices in, well, we moved, okay. like we changed our offices three times. Right. Uh, I think, Jeff and I, we went to Dropbox one. Uh, we were in San Francisco for maybe WWC or something, and then got invited to Dropbox. And I went to Dropbox. We didn't have the office at the time, so we mostly spent time working like at home or we would get at my house uh, sometimes, or sometimes we would just get, go to like a hotel somewhere during the conference, right, um, and work there. But I remember being in a Dropbox and like, that's really nice. You have people there. You have, you know, uh, people working on like on uh, on things. Oh, I don't know. I just it just felt like I didn't want an office. So actually, you're right. We opened. We started our very first office in Toronto in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember people mooning at us uh, through the window there because <laughs> it happened a few times. Uh, I think there was a bar nearby. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was like, that was my favorite office because it was so like, it was so 
easy to get in and out, right? Just, you know, you open the door and like two steps and you're in the office. Uh, and then it wasn't big enough, so we, we like upsized it, like upgraded a couple of times. Uh, and with the pandemic, we actually had to abandon it and sublease it. And now I think we have a, just a really tiny office uh, on Young Street. Okay. Uh, we'll need a new one, but, you know, everyone has used that working remotely right now. So that, but you were working remote before the before the pandemic hit, or? Oh yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Well, we, to be honest, even with the office, we it was more of a we called like a clubhouse. So basically, people just go there because one of the things, like if you work remotely, you we find that most of the work is done when you're actually at home. Right. And then when you go to the office, you spend most of the time talking to people. So you like you will not write code, and like it's it's ah, hard to right. write code in the office because you are like. You need to catch up with so, so many people and just like, um, yeah. So usually we'd go there, catch up, um, would like figure things out and then go back and work, work at home. So how many people work at one password now or agile bits now? Hmm. Uh, I think just over 500 today. Wow. Yeah. yeah we're 42 we, uh, in 2014, we, eight years later, 500. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2014 changed everything because once we launched the business, uh, option, I think one, we needed a lot more people to support it, right? Because you know, you have businesses that want phone support. You, uh, I think someone, I was uh, someone on um, Hacker News. I think was like, hey, you know, to write a password manager, I could do it myself. Like, how many people do you need? Right. I'm like, yeah, she's kind of right. You know, you don't need that many people. But then, uh, how many people do you need, like, to do SOC? to type two report do you know it's like it requires quite a bit of uh, uh paperwork and everything else right or how many people do you need to review all the we have we're running this bug crowd uh, bug bounty program right uh to people finding like bugs in one password security bugs and stuff like that and it's like a lot of submissions so you have to actually you need a person who would go and say okay this is a real issue and this is like really not an issue so just things like that um yeah, and yeah, so, and then you need an HR. At some point, like you go to the size where you need an HR and you need the finance team and uh, everything else. Yeah. So I think we want to actually double in size nice. next year or two. Cool. So uh, just because, you know, you don't want to be in the position where, like, hey, you know, there's a great opportunity there. You need, you need to build the list of features that we have, like in the background, it's quite big, right? So you don't want to kind of miss that and say, you know, we didn't invest in this, right? And we kind of, the opportunity is gone. So let's talk about the, the next version. I think password one password uh, version eight is coming or it's out already, or what's, what's the, you're telling me a little bit about uh, that on Twitter. I, I'm i using it for over a year now. Okay, well, you're <laughs> an insider, right? <laughs> I'm an insider. Uh, it's actually been available for quite, quite a while. So um, yeah, that's, the story there is, Basically, we for a long time, because of the way one password was developed, uh, every app was built separately, right? Because we had a Mac app, the Windows app was actually built by uh, uh, the very first version of the Windows app was built by a single person uh, in Netherlands. Uh, and uh, originally, I, I didn't even like, why do we need the Windows app? Right. But the customers really wanted the Windows app, and we felt like you know people want the Windows app. We need we need to give them that option, right? Uh, so for a long time, the Windows app was more like a stepchild, really, right? Because Mac apps, like 
Dave and I were using Madcap. This is like, this is what, you know, that's where we invest all our time, energy, and everything else. And uh, Mac and iOS. And then uh, Windows is kind of, we have a team, people working on it. We have good people working on it, but, you know, they're like in their own, their own, in their own space. So, you know, there's like, um, there's some interaction, but, you know, nobody's like designing a new feature across all the apps, right? And then obviously the Linux app, we didn't, we didn't have the Linux app as well. Right. So, and I think if you look at our forums, that's like the longest thread there on our forums. I don't know. Really? A few hundred pages, really, people asking for the Linux app. <laughs> right? And we are explaining how you can run like Wine and stuff like that and whatever. Uh, it's basically, it's quite complicated. So when we started, this, uh, so at some point, we, we decided like we have to change stuff, right? We have to build uh, one app, basically. And now, it's, especially with the service, like uh, it's, it seems not fair that you charge the same amount. But, you know, if I'm using Windows, I'm getting a subpar experience compared to if I'm using Mac. Right. Right. Uh, and also a lot of features that we wanted to do. So imagine you want to add a new feature to one password. Right. Uh, so now you have to go and you have to coordinate through like four different teams, basically. Right. Yeah. How are you going to add it? Uh, you have to like and then people are built like if you're building it 40 times no matter how well you specify it and describe it and everything else there will be differences right it 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 will look different it will work different like my favorite example like sorting for example sorting in mac and windows in version 7 you actually get different results when you sort oh right search, okay right? yeah or when you yeah. search you get different results when you search just because you know you <laughs> search in so many different ways uh, so the idea is like we we build a single core uh, of one password, and then we'll um, we'll make sure basically most of the features can build through this core, and then uh, then we build the we use this core on all platforms. Nice. So yeah. we actually had like several several different versions. I think we've been working on this for like a really long time, but we have to. It's really hard to do cross-platform software. To be honest, yeah. we actually had to yeah. throw away the code several times, and uh, uh, eventually we stopped on Rust. And uh, Rust would allow us to build like this single core that can be used. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then we didn't have the Linux app. So Linux app seems like the easiest option, right? Because you build a brand new app. Uh, we kind of were scared to release it on Mac first, just because, you know, a full rewrite is, is hard. Right. Full rewrite. Right? We did that. Right. We did that for 1000 before, and it, it is very painful. Um, but we felt like we really needed it this time. So. We started with Linux, where we didn't really have anything. So, and then Windows and uh, Mac app should be should be available soon too. To be honest, so, I'm, I'm using the early access anyway. Yeah, no, I just I just want to say. So, I mean, like you know, I, I'm a Mac fanboy, as you know, but I mean, I, I also work in a corporation downtown, and and you know, the ratio of Windows users to Mac users is it's like insignificant from the mac point of view right so like the windows market is so much bigger are you finding that's the case when now that you have a windows product um i think for the business one task for business yes so obviously uh again it's very important to, to basically have support for pretty much every platform there right uh, right yeah cool well, i mean that sounds like the opportunity would be bigger too but mind you you're like you said you want to double your size and I understand how you can have a big development team, but I think uh, I think a lot of our listeners who are like a single person, maybe two people in a shop, they're they're not quite aware of of what can happen there. 
Yeah, so I have a, a different part of the show here where I talk about a little bit more about getting to know you individually. So if you're if you're okay with that, we can ask you some uh, some questions that will sort of. Yeah, I remember watching it with James Thompson. I'm like, I have no idea how to answer any of the questions. So uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a really tough tough segment here. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up too, right? Because I don't always ask the same ones, right? But I'll start I'll start with this one. This is maybe simple for you, and and hopefully you've had time in in the uh, how long have you, how long has one past or agile bits been around? 15, 20 years. Well, 2015, so that's going to be so well, over sixteen years, right? Sixteen years, okay. Oh, 16 so, years. so let me ask you this: What is your motto? My your, uh, my personal motto. Yeah, your personal. Well, you can say your company motto if you oh. want to. Your mission oh. statement, if you will, or whatever. What makes what makes you you? Oh, for me, I I usually put like I'm looking at my Slack description for the like what I do, and it says I try new things. So I basically, as I said earlier, I I really I get bored really quickly. So I yeah. I need I need something new. That's what actually I really enjoyed. Uh, basically, with one password, like because we we had to switch. I've uh, so many different roles, like all the time. Now I find yeah. it's much, actually much harder because, like everywhere I go, there are people who actually do that much better than I used to do. So uh, it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, true. Um, who are your heroes in real life? Who inspires you? Who do you Steve admire? Jobs. Uh, Steve Jobs seems like a good answer, right? Because actually, Dave and I we met Steve Jobs at WWDC. Nice. We did the presentation after he did the keynote, and then we had the presentation. It was like very, very close. He just he just came out. There's like a few people waiting in like for the next stage, including us. And then he waved at us, and we with him like it's pretty, pretty awesome. That's cool. And That's cool. then I also been uh, Dave and I. I think we've been at MacWorld when he announced iPhone. Do you remember that? I was there too, but I wasn't. I wasn't in the room. I was. At, I was at the conference, and and I remember driving down, saying to my wife, "I don't know. They're they're coming with a phone. I don't know where they're going to go with that. That's crazy, you know." <laughs> that's, I hear that's what they're yeah, going to do. Change, change the world. It's me. I mean, like my whole my whole career changed because of the iPhone, right? So, which is great. Um, what's your idea of perfect happiness? Sorry, what? What's your idea perfect. of perfect happiness? Perfect happiness that does not exist. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what makes you happy other than working and crazy trying things? Mm, just accomplishing something. That just getting seeing something. Um, I think that's what attracted me to the software development in the first place. Just you have nothing. You build, you can make something out of nothing, right? It's basically just. I I think it's still boggles my mind. It's basically, you could you could imagine anything and make it happen. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I, as people don't know, people know me, I, I, I basically studied art, right? And art is the same sort of thing. You're making, you're creating things out of nothing. You're making a statement from nothing, you know, um, you're, and now I'm using my iPad to, to create things that don't even really exist in real life, you know, and, and recently I've, I've gone to printing things on my 3d printer that, you know, I thought of in my head. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I always say that, that you said that. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that because I think a lot of very good developers, uh, they actually, they have the background in art. I, I, yeah. I feel like for more of a formal education, I'm not sure it really helps. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> having a formal art education doesn't help, doesn't help either. <laughs> no, I mean, formal software engineering education. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and then I just uh, made me think of the book that one of my favorite books is The Art and Fear. Okay. Did you read that one? 
No. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. It's, uh, I have an audio book. And back when we were building one password for business, actually, I, I would listen to it a few times. It just, it kind of, it just pushes you. For, it's all about art, right? It's basically, it's like, hey, you know, uh, you just need to do like, you just need to work every day. Just yeah. basically, it doesn't really, yeah. often need like, you don't even have to think about, is it perfect or not, right? You just, you just try to do something like every day, right? And like nonstop, nonstop, uh, even if you're like in a rut and you're not making any progress, right? Because that's how it actually felt when we were building one password for business because like it's pretty tough uh, going. And yeah, it's a great book. And what's the name of the book? It's called Art and Fear. Art, Art and, and Fear. Fear Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've even, even though I don't, I mean, I don't traditionally paint and sculpt like I used to when I was a student, but I still create things all the time. And I, and I think that creating software is the same thing as, as, uh, as that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. What's your most treasured possession? I don't know. <laughs> I, um, I think that was very good. I don't remember which book it was, but I really like what he said in the book, the author, uh, that you basically you, just, you should just approach, you should approach life as if you don't really own anything, but you're just basically taking care of it. Oh. Or, you know, right. And I think that makes, at least that for me, made a lot of things much easier because when you possess something, now you're afraid that you're going to lose it or you're going to damage it or you're going to. So I feel like, I just don't remember what it was said, but I, I really like that. Cool. And I think that that made my life easier. So you don't have to worry about things and... Yeah. And yeah, it's basically, they don't, and... like, in the, in the end, like, in the end, you know, your life is, like, your, your time on Earth is finite. And yeah. basically, you, like, thinking that you own it is, like, makes really no sense. So what do you, what do you think, like, based on that, what do you, what's your goal in life? Do you want, do you want, how do you want to be remembered? Like, what do you think people are going to remember about you? Like, I don't mean people in general, maybe just your family or whatever, but what do you think? What's your legacy? Mm, I, I don't know. I, again, it's, I don't think I worry about it that much. Uh, you look at the statues right now, you go from the city, like look at the statues or the statues that were removed in the United States and everything else. Like, um, do yeah, you, you, can, you can get canceled tomorrow. A, yeah. Yeah. Do you, have, do you care if you have a statue somewhere? I, I feel like I, Sorry, not not uh, not a great answer, but uh, <laughs> I like well, I, so see for me the the I, my heroes are are people like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and you know uh, Einstein, yeah. Picasso, you know, and they're because you know it, as I studied them, you know, they're the people that that they made a change, they made a dent in the world. They didn't make a you know they didn't change life, they didn't whatever, but they they made they had an impact, right? And I think that's. To me, I, I would like to be known as someone who had an impact on, on people and things and whatever. So, I mean, and it's kind of funny because we, you and I work in a th ethereal thing. I mean, like tomorrow, the iPhone may be gone, the Mac may be gone, one password will be gone, you know? Yeah. And who will remember? I mean, like you and I were just rem reminiscing about Spring and Java and all those other tools back in the day, you know? Like using using TCIP IP stacks to get on the internet and all that's gone. Like the kids today, they they think the little floppy disk icon is the save button, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and then you know, there's a theory that we all live in simulation. So that's true. Yeah, the yeah. matrix. There's right? that as well, right? <laughs> It's funny. I had to. I heard you say that in the, in your talk that you you uh, imagined a matrix moment, and I remember being like right eight or nine years old, thinking the same thing. Like, what if I'm, what if I'm lying in a hospital bed and I'm hooked up to a computer, and you're lying in a hospital bed in Soviet Union, and we're just, and we're not even talking. Like, look at us now. We're actually not even in the same space, and we're having a conversation, <laughs> and yep. a relationship, right? And it's all virtual, right? So I may not even be real. I may be a, a simulation. Who knows? All right. Um, What's the scariest animal? Scariest animal. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you follow Troy Hunt on Twitter. Uh, I may Troy have heard Hunt, the name. He's a, secu- he's a security researcher. He owns this website called Have I Been Pwned? Oh, yeah, yes. Yes, I do know him, yeah. My password actually uses that service to uh, tell you if some of your passwords are compromised and stuff. Uh, but he lives in Australia, and he sometimes he tweets the pictures of, like, the like, the animal world there i guess yeah they're all pretty yeah. scary to be honest yeah. like, everything that he treats like the spiders uh, the snakes even the kangaroos like kangaroos are pretty mean i'm not yeah, sure you I heard that if you yeah. saw the pictures there, like and they could really uh because they jump so high like they're really like very very strong so i don't know i'm not sure if they're the scariest but i just your question uh made me think of <laughs> troy hand and i'm like i used to really want to go to australia but after looking at these pictures i'm not sure i want to go yeah to you can australia. go for a walk and get killed yeah i know just by right. petting a furry animal you know yeah it's, it's funny <laughs> australia has really strange strange animals out there cool all right well here's the last question for you and this is an easy one and, and it, it this question gets bigger every time i ask it but star wars star trek doctor who or babylon 5 oh wow good one uh i really enjoyed babylon 5 <laughs> I, I should probably watch it, uh, but my problem is like Babylon Five. They used to stre- uh, they used to show it in Russia, so oh, really? I, I only had like a Russian version of Babylon Five. I don't think I ever watched an episode in, in English. Okay, Star Trek. Unfortunately, I never really got into Star. Like it kind of escaped me, right? And then uh, Star Wars was uh, quite popular in Russia as well on bootleg DVD, on not DVDs, bootleg VCR tapes. Nice. Was it was it translated into Russian as well? It was or? translated into Russian, but you know there was. I think the story is like there's only one guy who was translating all of them, all of them, and so he would translate all the characters. All right? the voice. So it's one guy. All the voices, like for everyone, like men, women, Princess like, Leia, and, the whole bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same guy, and also monotone, very monotone voice. Oh, really? Yeah. So you kind of have an idea of what's happening, but. Uh, none of the emotional stuff or anything else. Right, right. But I, there wasn't much emotion in, in Star Wars to begin with, but... <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. And you're a big Douglas Adams fan too, I take it, right? From your talk? Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. All right, My cool. So, right, well, so let's wrap up. Um, so uh, thanks for being on the show. And if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you on the internet? Uh, probably the easiest places on Twitter. Just my first name on Twitter, Rustam. Yeah, that's where I find you all the time. That's where I found you this time, too. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to spend less time there, but, you know, it's not easy. And what's, what's new and exciting for, for Agile Bits and for Rustam? What, what are you working on? What, what can you tell us? What can we look forward to? Well, some very interesting big plans for, uh, for the next year. I think the team is getting bigger. We spent a lot of time just, you know, building it building the team up right really because it takes time for people to gel together as well right but uh yeah a lot of 
I think you, you already saw quite a few things this year. For example, like masked email. I'm not sure if you tried that. I feature. Tried like it, I signed yeah. up to Fastmail yeah. right away just because I, I looked at my Fastmail account. I probably have like 50 different masked emails there now. So, so, con- so much more convenient. Um, the sharing item sharing just came out a few weeks ago as well. Um, and some pretty cool developer features. Well, probably shouldn't say anything else. Okay. Some pretty cool features coming early next year. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the sharing thing. We we talked about that on the show on our last episode uh, when I had the two guys there because I remember I tried the sharing w- the way it was before, and I think it was like it was a big warning came up said, "Listen, you're going to send this in the clear." Yeah, it's an unencrypted JSON thing. Yeah. 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 So and they didn't remember that and because I remember I, I I did it twice because I, I and I remember I only did it twice because I sent it to somebody I you know trust and it was a very small. Well, if you use iMessage, that works, right? Yeah, but I think, yeah. Um, like if someone else is using Android, so what do you do now, right? How yeah, do you exactly. secure But this one, this feature is really nice because it it may not be obvious, but it uses client-side encryption. So yeah. actually, the URL that you send to another person has the encryption key, right? And then the server, like what we have, like we don't have any of the data, right, that you share. So yeah. you encrypt it before you send it to the server, and then the recipient actually decrypts it on their computer. And it goes right into the application, too. That's what we were trying to talk about that, right? Like, I, yeah. I have used yeah. it, actually. I think uh, I think I sent my sister a password or something like that recently, and, and it was great. Yeah, and then you could set the time limits as well, uh, and you could also confirm the email, right? So Right. That makes it well. It's not absolute security, but I think this is like yeah. If person doesn't use one password. That's the easiest way to do this. Well, I mean, like you know, for me, like like you, I've also had you know, I've had bad experiences with bad. I mean, the thing about it is the reason why the internet's the way it is today, and the reason why we need two two factor authentication is because there are all these evil people out there trying to get your credit card number for example like you mentioned earlier right yeah and i think i think it's very important i always tell people they need to back up their data but they also need to make sure they're using secure passwords and one of the my favorites i haven't i haven't created a password in probably five years because every time i just go into one password make a new password and wait yeah, i don't even use the icloud one, like i use a, one password such a huge effort like how do you even come up with a password yeah right yeah and I love the fact that you can go and you can custom tailor the password to whatever the site requires. I mean, because everybody knows there's no standards well, on the internet today. We started switching people to smart, what we call it smart password. Okay. So the idea is like one password actually tries to figure out what this website accepts. It works. Ah. I think it works really well on most sites. Like actually Apple started this um, special project on GitHub that keeps track of websites that basically they don't tell you what the rules are. Uh, but after you try to keep them in the past, like, oh, it can only be like eight characters or something, or it can right. it requires like something. So we actually have the website uh, GitHub project with the rules. So every time we find a website that one password does not generate the password properly, or we actually add the, like we figure out the rules and then we add it there. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. But smart password, I think, is probably the best option right now, just because then like it, it tries to find the, the most secure password for this site. And yeah. Yeah. To think about it. And just in case people are curious, like I'm not being sponsored by Agile Bits. I actually do love the software, and I recommend it to everybody I I meet. <laughs> you should you should try the early access version and let me know what you think. Yeah, because to be I'd honest, love to. Yeah, I've been using for such a long time. I I got used to it. I 
and then you see when you start using it, it's like it's very very early beta right so you go and you suffer through all the stuff that does not work but now you i'm i'm probably just too used to it to be honest right i'm <laughs> like i love it I, I cannot go back to one password seven it looks ugly it's just slow it's like there's so many i see all the problems in one password seven now yeah uh, so you should try one password eight and let me know what you think yeah i'll have to, I'll have to give it a shot i'll just definitely sign up it's on our downloads page under the beta section so cool all give right it a try. Well, yeah maybe maybe we'll get some people listening to the show to try that too all right well again um my name is timitra t i m m i t r a on the twitter machines where you'll find me until next time we'll say goodbye but before you go if you're watching this on youtube please click the little button right down there <laughs> and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for your time Rustam. this has been another episode of the more than just code podcast if you want to find out more about the show you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fireside.fm there you can find a summary and show notes of each episode we list links to the apps code and news that we mentioned on the show if you like the podcast tell your friends leave a comment on the website or write a review on itunes and please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher all of these things help others find out about the show we really appreciate your help with spreading the word we're also on twitter facebook and instagram we'd love to hear from you so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show friends of the show can also join us on the podcast slack channel once again the podcast twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc every dollar pledged helps a lot thanks for listening we'll see you next time your background just so much stuff there <laughs> how, how much work did you put into this all all this stuff um yes. a lot a i lot. mean to, to be so neatly organized and, and everything um well yeah i mean uh so i, I started thinking about doing um, video bot video um versions of the podcast and having guests on and and then i realized so i'm sitting in my basement here in toronto right and um I decided I should put up some nice things for, you know, for the background, right? So, um, you know, I've got my, my you know, my books and, and some things I've 3D nice. printed, some old Macs. I've got a Jacques Plant mask over there, you know, <laughs> some old hockey gloves from the back in the day when they were leather, you know? So, yeah. It's a nuts, right? Like during the pandemic, remember when I think people got much better now, but the first days when the, everyone was on lockdown, people like doing all kinds of backgrounds yeah yeah now now i feel like it's you probably need to hire like a consultant to to organize your, <laughs> your background and stuff well this is the thing people were judging by by the books so i've you know i've put like the big bird ranch books over here and and i have the old you know the se30 over on this side and some of my nice lego that i haven't uh done you know kind of thing <laughs> and my 3d printer nice. of course you know with and the 3d my 3d bus that i made with uh with my ipad so lots of fun things to keep you busy you know I also bought like you know some musical instruments because I used to play with with music with my friends and and we can't do that anymore either you know mm, so, yeah not for a while anyway yeah well I don't know so are you getting out of the house often um my wife does most of the shopping and stuff so she goes she's out every day and um, me I'm you know working from home so 
Uh, and I don't mind staying here. I've gone to see a few movies at the, at the theater um, with my son. Um, we have a we have a tech like a, a sci-fi podcast we do. So we've been out to see um, you know some Marvel movies and that kind of stuff. Uh, he lives in Mississauga, so we we get to go to the IMAX over there, and and there's like oh. 20 people in the entire theater because night we go, it's not on the first night. That's close to IKEA there, right? Is that, that like a huge intersection? No. Um, he's at Winston Churchill and. Uh, I think I you're, thinking, you're thinking of the um, the uh, Queensway Theater, maybe the one on on the off the highway there. There's an yeah, I think probably. is that an IMAX? I, think, I don't think I see an IMAX, or maybe like a think... huge like this, right? It's all like, you know, you cannot see the edges there when you when you're watching them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's sort of big. It's not like the one downtown. I like the one that uh, the Scotiabank or not called Scotiabank. Yeah, the Scotiabank Theater now. I think right it used to be called Paramount back in the day, but uh, they're closing yeah, that one down. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. I I started uh, paying for YouTube uh, subscription. It's actually much nicer because, um, yeah, like you don't get the ads, and then I, you can watch the videos actually in the background. So yeah, those ads are getting really annoying, especially if you like. I have a few people I watch all the time, and it's you know they'll get to a really good point, and then oh, here's a commercial, right? Um, but also yeah. my my you granddaughter, my granddaughter's watching YouTube all the time. She watches her shows, and and she's always complaining that the ads are running, and you know, grandma, come and get mm-hmm. rid of this ad. <laughs> so is it like that? Like you, sorry. Sounds like you need the family YouTube account. I use the family YouTube accounts. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's so much nicer. Like the what experience is, because zero ads, right? What is it? What is it? What does the family subscription cost? You know, um, right? Blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I think family plan is eighteen bucks. That's Single bad. user is twelve. Is that Canadian or U.S.? No, it's Canadian. I assume because it's in <laughs> Canada. So should should be. I think should be Canadian. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Canadian. Eighteen dollars Canadian. But yeah, I I. I think it's like much better experience, certainly. Yeah, and I'm a huge YouTube fan. I probably should do that too. My wife watches YouTube all the time as well, so it's cool. Yeah, because the ad, you're right. I once I didn't sign in, and then oh my god, <laughs> every few minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. Cool. Obviously, right. we're sitting home all the time anyway. I just went to a restaurant last week. Was yeah, I've, I've only been a couple of times. But yeah, I I saw your like you are three times vaccinated. Tim cannot be that old that he gets like a third dose because uh, Natalia's mom just got vaccinated uh, third the booster like a few days ago. Yeah. So what happened for me was a friend of mine on uh, lives in Oakville. He tweeted that he he would he'd enrolled and signed up, and I said, "How did you do that?" Because I knew he's around my age too, right? And uh, he said, "I just went on like if you had two AstraZenecas, you can you can oh, qualify, right?" Yeah. So, so Sunday morning, I looked, I looked around and, and I saw his tweet. And then he posted, I tried calling, you know, Shoppers Drug Mart and Rexall and no, we don't have any, no, I'll put you on the list and that kind of thing. And then I went, he replied to my tweet again and he said, go to the Ontario COVID-19 website. And I went there and you can go and say, I want where to, like, I don't care which pharmacy I go to, right? And I went there and I kind of looked and, and I saw that they had some appointments for like Monday, right? And I went, oh, I wonder if they have some for today, right? So I went back and I said, I don't care where I go. And then so it sent me to MGH, which is Michael Guerin Hospital Clinic, mm. not, not at the hospital itself, which is East York Hospital, right? And it's an old Target up on uh, Lee side, like an old Target, you know, Target store. And they have the whole floor and they have, it's all set up. And I just, I booked, I could have like, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. I could have got a shot at 11 or five. Nice. <laughs> so nice. anyway, I said, okay, give me an hour to get there. So I went, I went for noon and, and yeah, I got my arm was sore for a day, but it's a little sore now still, but 
Yeah. So definitely, if you're, it's definitely something to do. And and I know that I, I work with some people in California and they, they were telling me that they have all had their third shot already too. That's what I see on Twitter. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, yeah, they, they easily get this stuff. There's no restrictions. So I guess they got it earlier anyway as well in the US, right? I think Natalia yeah. and I, we, we will be like six months, we'll be in December. So I think we're looking we're looking for December to... Uh, did you do AstraZeneca or you did Pfizer and Moderna? No, we get uh, Pfizer and Moderna. Okay, yeah. My wife did that one, AstraZeneca, and then she did um, Moderna for the second one. But Moderna hits so hard. It's... Yeah, she was... She <laughs> I was, was in bed for like 30 days. Or yeah, Carol was in bed too uh, for a while too. But I've heard the same thing with Pfizer too. You didn't have a problem with Pfizer first time? No, I didn't even notice it. Really? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting coming from different countries. It's funny, I, I was going to tell you earlier that my... Uh, my father um, came to similar way. He came to Canada. They actually did interviews at Pearson Airport, right? Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So he was an engineer. Oh, huh? that was a long time. Sixty-six. Sixty-six. Yeah. Uh, and actually, my wife's uh, my wife's father was uh, he was an engineer here, Canadian. He was an engineer here. He Mitra used to go. Is, uh, I was looking up the Mitra name. It's a Persian. It's a Iranian. No, it's actually Indian. It's Mitra, Indian. right? Oh, really? But, it, but it, it could have roots in that because, yeah, Mitra is a, is how they say it in in um, Iran. Iran. It's a sometimes it's a first name. It's also uh, I I apprenticed with a guy named uh, Metro Kozak, and and uh, he was telling me that Dmitri Mitra is is a form of Dmitri as well. Oh, I see. So, yeah, it's an Indo-Iranian name of the Indo-Iranian divinity. Hmm. Really. Yeah, because I meet a lot of Iranian people here, and they're like, "Oh, Rustam is like, apparently uh, yeah. it's a, like really pop. Not, it's not actually surprising. It's not a popular name, but it's a like a really well-known name hmm. of uh, Iranian hero or something, uh, legend, whatever." Right. But I first time I heard that here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my dad was Bengali, right? So he's from Bengal. So and Mitra means friend. Mm. Yeah, at least in Bengali, anyway. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for coming and hanging out, and I'll yeah, I'll probably edit this edit this and have it out in probably a, a week or so, maybe sooner. Who knows? I'll let you know. All right. Please cut out everything that I didn't say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll I'll edit some things, and yeah, <clears throat> we'll cut out some of the dead air. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jim. Was uh, good talking to you. You too. Talk well, to you good later. to see Bye. you too. It's been a long yeah, time. You too. Yeah, we'll have to have, um, we can't wait for, to get back to Taco and NS North and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we should, someone should organize something like that. I feel like. Well, I don't know if you know, what, do you know, um, Kyle, they're, you know, the NS coders, they, uh, they have a, they have Swift Canada. They do a, a conference and they're, I think they're planning on doing, they think they just did a hack, uh, like a weekend hack kind of thing. But last year they had Paul Hudson come and he did a day long um, session on, you know, the new stuff in Swift and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool. And they, so they're doing, they're at least trying to do something. I don't know what's that happening would, with Taco, right? But other than the Slack, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. It would be great just to see people in person after, yeah. like, what, two years, three years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we can do, I went and had, uh, had beer with some friends of mine up on the Danforth. We, there's a couple of bars there and we... We, it was warmer, obviously, but we sat underneath the, you know, the music, the music hall. They had a table there, 
is a, I think it's called side room or something like that. And, and the, it's, it's owned by the same people and they put a table for us under the marquee. So we're sitting on the sidewalk and we're the first time we're having a beer in public. And my friend, Marty, she was so happy to see us. She just kept hugging us all night long. <laughs> and now we're all double vax and we can, you know, we can actually make contact, but that was, that yeah. Was yeah. I feel, I feel better about it now. So I feel it should be easier. Yeah. For right. sure. Okay. Thanks man. Bye. Good night. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.